Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Macaringo. It is I. And I just want to take an opportunity to say that you are very good at the intros to these. Oh, thank you. Because I tried to do that once and it was it was the most awkward thing I've ever tried to do. <laughs> do you do you want to do the intro for the last one next week? Absolutely not. Okay. In no way do I want to do that. But I just feel like you don't get enough credit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm just like, I just do it. It's like an instinct now. Yeah. You've done like 10,000 hours of podcast introing. So now you're a genius. Basically. That, that's how that works. That's the Malcolm Gladwell rule, right? Is that who said that? I don't know. I, I have no idea. But yeah, take that, Will Wheaton, you fuck. Yeah, why are we singling him out? I don't, I don't know. I feel like no one likes him, and they're probably right not to. I, I, but anyways, we finally cut all so that. Confused. No, that was mean. Um, Rewind. All right, today we're here to talk don't about. Don't you dare Legend of cut Korra. that! <laughs> don't you dare cut that you now hate Will Wheaton. <laughs> he was driven well, off. To talk about he was Legend driven of off uh, Twitter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, I think he's friends with uh, Chris Hardwick. I think that was the thing. At least at the time, I don't know now. I Believe it or not, Will Wheaton does not take up a lot of brain space. Yeah, I don't even know where I pulled that from. Mm-hmm. Huh. Will Wheaton is one of those guys where it's like there was a weird era of D-list celebrities coming out and being like, I'm a nerd. And everyone was like, they're the fucking greatest. <laughs> And then that, yeah, right. That all died like really quickly. And Probably for the best. I guess I do feel a little bad for maybe not Will Wheaton, but other people where it's like you know you got you got a little inflated ego. You don't really think about it. And you're like, oh, nerds are cool, and you think they are for a little bit, and then the other side showed. Yeah. And those people go at their keyboards like, yeah, and that's why women deserve less. And mm. it's like, whoa, yeah. This is when the hell did that come from? And then you say something like, "I think women should be paid equally," and then someone goes th- digging through your Twitter thing and finds something that maybe hasn't aged super well, and then you're like, "Ha ha, hoist it on your own petard." Then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how that goes. It's, yeah, it's a, we live in a great time of communicating ideas. <laughs> Speaking of communicating ideas, today's episodes of Legend of Korra are Enemy at the Gates, The Battle of Zhaofu, Reunion, and Remembrances. And I would say that the, these episodes are very good at communicating ideas. Some maybe more so than others, but there, it's definitely... Th- this season ha- has aged maybe better than the rest <laughs> um, were you, in a you, couple ways, Were you possessed by the spirit of Mr. Spock for a second? Yeah. Yes. This these episodes were good at communicating ideas. Yes. <laughs> That's where I'm at in my life at the moment. We're all doing very well right now. I'm thinking about shaving my head, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Matt, how what hot you is it in California? Uh it was pretty cold for California for the last like months, <laughs> like just back to back months it was cold. And today it's it's starting to get warm. Yeah. Like I can feel the sun through the windows again, <laughs> which was something I had forgotten about. It's eighty five um, here right now. Let me um, see what what the temperature is here. Hang on a second. And I let my hair grow out throughout quarantine. 
Um, and I like my hair longer, but like I've been out in hot weather for like two days now, and I'm like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're at 89 degrees today. Good lord. Yeah. How, how? What is California's a mistake? <laughs> it might be. Last year was so fucking hot, I had to keep the windows open on like every recording. You know Sam Kinison? Not really. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, then this will this reference will really go over well. <laughs> Uh, but he had that whole bit about uh, people living in deserts and how they should just move out of deserts instead of us trying to bring food to them. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of his stand-up bits. And he has a line in it that always bugged me, which is that we have deserts in America, but we don't live in them. And I'm like, L.A. is a desert. <laughs> <laughs> Not to pick a fight with Sam Kennison, who is dead, <laughs> but... Oh. Uh, hey, <laughs> that's always bugged me, Sam. Yeah. But Matt, what did you think about Enemy at the Gates? You know what? I was really enjoying the show up to this moment, but now I think it's terrible. And I'm going to oh. make one of those videos that's a four-hour deconstruction of why Legend of Korra is the worst thing that ever happened. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming, actually. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what are you, Tenzin? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, you know... I. I, I feel like the tune's not going to change for these last few episodes. <laughs> like, we enjoy the show. We dedicated a retrospective to it. There was, like, maybe one moment in season, when we were doing season two where I'm like, I don't know about this. And then, but then, like, ever since then, I was like, nah, this show's good, and I think people that don't like it are, you know, crazy. <laughs> That's probably not right to say. Um... I think people it's probably don't... not right to say, but I think it's right to believe. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no I think that uh, uh, people who don't like it um, tend to give bad reasons for not liking it, I guess I'll say. Mm. <laughs> Whereas there are entirely valid reasons to not like uh, any cartoon made for children. <laughs> A strong argument <laughs> being that they are cartoons made for children. <laughs> but... Uh, there are other arguments that are not as good. <laughs> and people make careers out of making videos about that. <laughs> yeah, it's still very disheartening. Just YouTube. I was going to I was going to like centralize my argument around YouTube and Legend of Korra, but just YouTube in general. Yeah. <laughs> it it's sort of like eating its own tail now. Yeah. And now it's kind of hard to like find interesting stuff on there. Yeah. Well, the thing I hate really right now is that there? I don't think people have talked about it enough, or maybe people have, but there's there's a weird emphasis on drama channels. You know what I'm saying? Like that because anytime I find a YouTuber and I start and I go like, oh, I want to watch more of their videos, and I type their name in, like the second search result is like controversy. Oh. You know? And like, and you go digging into anyone, there's gonna be something, you know. <laughs> And sometimes there's maybe something there. Sometimes it's like, oh, did you know in 2012 on a forum they said the word gay is an insult? And I was like, yeah, it's not good, but that was 2012, and, you know, maybe they're not that person anymore. Yeah, like if they're still saying it, yeah, like, regularly. Like if you they're know. doing things now that are bad. <laughs> and uh, it's been it's gotten very difficult to criticize people on... Uh, or, like, have just good discussions about things online. And I guess it never was good, but it seems to have just gotten a little worse. 
Now we need to be sent to re-education camps like Bolin hey, and Varric. Re-educate people with the dangers of cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> they were just trying to cancel Kuvera. Yeah. But people ignore, and her girl boss nature. Yeah, people ignore all the, how she united the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She gave them a choice. Yeah. Join her that's or the, die. That's, that's a the choice. context that gets lost in all this. She gave everyone a fair choice. Join the Earth Kingdom or perish. <laughs> I think it's a, that's very simple. And I think it's unfair that we keep throwing strong women like that under the bus. Uh, I will say one of my favorite moments in this episode is after Kuvira like basically threatens both Varric and Bolin. Bolin goes to see him and be like, "Hey, I gotta tell you something." And Varric's like, "I gotta tell you something <laughs> yeah. too." And they just they have the same realization because they're both idiots that yeah. Kuvira is a monster. <laughs> I guess, but I have also been in that moment <laughs> where it's like, like we you know sometimes you're like hanging out with people and then someone maybe reveals another side of themselves. And in that moment, you're like, am I the only one seeing this? <laughs> and then you go to someone later and you're like, hey, what was that about? And you're like, they're fucking nuts. And you're like, glad we're on the same page. So, although I, I guess what I I'm saying. I just got a flashback to a very particular instance out there. <laughs> um, and a couple, I, I, won't, I won't go into detail about the situation, but like yeah. a friend had brought over someone they were dating. They were really excited about. Mm -hmm. And they started revealing what they thought about certain political agendas and such. But you could just feel like the temperature in the room just like drop. Yeah. And everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> um, that person is no longer invited to gatherings, obviously. Hey, you know, but, uh, that's, yeah. that happens. It's weirder <laughs> when it's your friend's parents that start saying crazy shit, which has happened multiple times. Oh, oh boy, is it. <laughs> and it's that thing of like, do they know their parents are crazy? And that becomes an issue. <laughs> Like, oh, do they know their parents are racist? And thankfully, in my experiences, most of the time they do. So well, that's good. That's that's good. But uh, speaking of parents, hey, we get to revisit Su Yin, and she gets to reunite with her son Batar Junior, the spitting image of her husband. It is weird that we're exactly alike. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is like a funny character choice in the previous season, and now it's like, oh, that completely colors in the relationship it's, dynamic oh, of that family. Oh, this is actually really sad. <laughs> Fucked yeah. up. It's like, I don't want to like, be an exact quote of my father, so I became a fascist dictator. Yeah. It's like, whoa, <laughs> this show is operating on levels I didn't even, like, anticipate yeah. realizing at this point in my life. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um... I will say, like, we've talked about stuff that, like, hasn't aged well with this, because there's definitely a lot of that. Um, but there is a shocking amount that's like, wow, this is still really good. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that, like, you just never saw other shows try it, you know? And maybe that was because the show was basically exclusively online by this point. <laughs> and you had to, like, seek it out on the Nickelodeon website. Which is still a choice that baffles me. Yeah, I have no answers for like, any fuck, of that. Like, fuck, they couldn't, like, find, like, a 10 a.m. time to drop it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what, they're gonna show fucking Mr. Meaty reruns? Like... Is that a real show? You never seen Mr. Meaty? No, what it's is that? It's the disturbing Nickelodeon puppet show. 
Oh my god! Yeah, I, I'll put the I'll put the the image here. Did you just so look it up? But, no, but no, I remember now. It's those two like fast food workers, yeah. right? Oh, and it was like, yeah. What the fuck? It was one of those where like clearly they were like, we want to show that fucking shocks people, and then they got to show that shocked people, and they were like, no, no, not like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, please kill it. Yeah, and uh, it like disappeared. It was one of those shows where like they technically had a second season, but. It was like six episodes, and it was released over like three years. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was people were like, yeah, what the hell? Nickelodeon dude. was just losing its mind <laughs> at a certain point. <laughs> it's like we bet it all on SpongeBob and Butch Hartman. <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> things that haven't. Uh, SpongeBob didn't really age poorly. It just you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just still going. Yeah, it's kind of the Simpsons problem. It's the Simpsons problem. And Butch Hartman, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But Yeah, I don't even know. Fuck that guy. What a weird... What, how strange... That is weird. If, you know, I did, like... Cause for some reason, a bunch of Fairly Odd Parents episodes were just up on YouTube. Like, they seemed official, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> and I watched some of them, and it was like... There's a lot of weird stuff in that show that I did not pick up on as a child. That feels like an adult that's angry. <laughs> Less like someone trying to have fun with a kid's show, more like some guy who's got a bone to pick. Oh my god. You know what I'm talking about. You've you've revisited shows like that. Yeah, I, I don't remember enough of Fairly Odd Parents to contest that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Some some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was Danny Phantom still on the air when Cora was on? Let me check. I think so. At the very least, there were like commercials, you know. Yeah, they were they were at least doing reruns. That song is very catchy. It is. <laughs> no, it was not on the air. Okay. Gotta catch him all. You know, Denny Finn. He was just fourteen. He <laughs> <laughs> was parents built a very strange machine. It's sad that song will never leave my brain. No. Or my life as a teenage robot, which is a song that's stuck in my head. That one I don't have a memory of. I don't remember a thing about that show. Like, I don't remember anything that... I remember two episodes stick out in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one was uh, the uh, the girl robot. I think her name was XJ9. I think that was her name. Um, Whoa, I kind of remember that. Because she's a robot. She doesn't feel things, right? Like, she's like, I'm a robot, I don't have, like, you know, I don't feel pain, I don't feel tickling or anything like that. So she gets a, uh, like, whatever, like, they put something on her body that lets her feel, like, pain for some reason. And it only has two settings. It has, like, the, the tickle setting and the pain setting. So that leads to shenanigans, right? Oh. That's all, all I remember about that. And the other one was there's one about... I guess, like, a racist bar owner who's, like, he's got a sign-up that, like, is covered, and then he's like, we have the right to refuse service to robots. So, like, he won't let XJ9 into the bar. And then these biker chicks come in and are, like, going to beat people up, and he's like, we have the right to refuse service to robots and bikers. <laughs> and But then, like, they're like, well, wait, how are you going to stop us? Because you're an old racist man. And he's like, oh, God, you're right. And so he just they start beating the shit out of him, but then XJ9 comes in and throws him out. And then he's like, okay, I guess I'll allow robots in now. <laughs> Whoa. I think that was the plot of that episode. Again, it's been a long time. 
Huh. I feel like that show might not hold up. <laughs> I don't know why you would think that. She's a teenage hey, robot. Hey, that wasn't that wasn't a Butch Hartman show. No, it wasn't. It's weird. You it, think it was. Yeah. Like that sounds like a Butch Hartman show. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know who made it. Um I just remember that song and I I remember it had a, a different look to it. And it was just on. <laughs> it's one of those shows that you just watched because it was on, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's shocking how little impression it left. What's a cartoon Shock show? Chalk Life had a bigger, like, lifespan. What I show? Uh, a chalk, chalk Zone. Chalk Zone, yeah. Oh, I remember Chalk, chalk Zone. Life, what the Ch- fuck? <laughs> That's a theme song I remember, too. Yeah. Rudy's got, Rudy's the, chalk, got the Chalk, Chalk, Chalk <laughs> Zone. Um, I don't remember. He drew, like, a. there's a blue guy. <laughs> He's, like, a superhero, I think. Yeah, let me let me let me see this this chalk zone. That was a weird show. It was like that was his name was Rudy Tabuti. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that that could have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That feels like a pitch meeting thing. So we gotta make it's like we gotta make sure people remember this kid's name. Ah, Rudy Tabuti. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other ones that like left no impression but like still live in my brain. You know, mm-hmm. like Mike Lou and Og. Do you remember that? That was a Cartoon Network show. Uh, not really. They were stuck on an island. It's about a kid stuck on a desert island, and it maybe doesn't have appropriate depictions of native people. <laughs> oh. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it weird how these quote-unquote primitive cultures live? And it's like, oh. yeah, no wonder we still have problems. <laughs> this, was, this was a new cartoon show. But hey. Hey. What was yeah. that fucking superhero's name on Chalk Zone? <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, the, the, the Snap. I'm looking it up right now. Snap was the guy's name. God damn. A small blue humanoid. Snap. Could have come up with a fucking better name than that, frankly. I know, right? It's weird that these are all, like, a lot of these were on the Nickelodeon network and Korra. <laughs> these were, the ones we're talking about were all, like, in the era of The Last Airbender. Yeah. That was, well, that, that thing we're talking about when we did Last Airbender, which was weird, was it felt like Last Airbender was their attempt to be, like, we have our own action show, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was like, we're gonna, because, like, they didn't, because Cartoon Network had Toonami, and then they had, like, those Justice League cartoons. And so it felt like this was Nickelodeon trying to be like, all right, we're here, we got, because I think they also did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the time. Like, I think that was the CGI Ninja Turtles. And oh, Avatar. Really? I don't, yeah. I don't remember a CGI one, but that's interesting. I could be conflating, like, two different series. Um, okay. But... I think it was just like, yeah, we got these two. And then they never tried it again. <laughs> yeah, because, like, just... I'm, I'm going to look through some stuff really quick and just shout it out because I do want to talk more about Korra episodes, actually. Yeah. But, like, between The Last Airbender and Korra, there was, like, Big Time Rush, uh, which was after my generation well, these are, and Victorious. That, when you get into the live-action stuff, it gets weird. No, I, But I think it's important to note because... I don't know what they were trying to do at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness, which, of course, right? Yeah. Um, I missed all of that. Sorry. Yeah, these I love are, the films, though. I think that's after my time. It's just like I yeah. was not watching Nickelodeon at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tough Puppy, which is another Butch that's Hartman a Butch Hart- I know that's Butch Hartman, but that's about all I know about it. House of Anubis, which I, I don't know. Never, that one never heard of one. it. Never, I've yeah. never even heard of that. <laughs> Fanboy and Chum Chum. Do you know that one? I've heard the name. I don't know what it's about. 
Okay, I don't know what it's about either, but it's it's a CGI show. Mm. And so just those are just a couple I pulled out from this list and you know, there's no like model here. Yeah. <laughs> for any of these. Well, it's just it's so it it's strange to me because it's like at the beginning of the 2000s Nickelodeon kind of had like a like a juggernaut group of animated shows, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like it was kind of like Rugrats in the last years, but like it was still popular. And then it's like we got SpongeBob, got fucking Fairly Odd Parents, a show that's gonna those two shows that will last way longer than you imagine they will. Um, Jimmy Neutron, and then they start making movies that are somewhat successful. And at the same time, they're doing like live action stuff, right? Mm-hmm. With like the Amanda Show and all that. And then over on the Disney Channel is when they were doing live action, and they were that was the beginning of like the Hillary Duff era. Where they could spin, you know, Hillary Duff could go from being, you know, Disney Channel star to then music star. And then you could capitalize off that. And, like, that was, like, the first time. So that's when you start getting this weird pivot towards live action shows that are, for whatever reason, the kid on it also sings. Like, they always found an excuse for the kid character to sing or be part of a band or something like that, right? Yeah, that, that was like the Disney career pipeline almost. Yeah. It's like these kids have to do everything so we can profit off of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like some kids would genuinely like be able to carve out their own space in that mm-hmm. too. I mean, like Zac Efron, like people don't talk about him as like, oh, Zac Efron, Disney star as much anymore. It's yeah. Zac Efron, like the actor who doesn't get as many opportunities as you would like him to get. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, I don't know if it's still going because I think it's like with Disney – it's like they they got Hannah Montana. They're responsible for the Jonas Brothers getting huge, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, uh, did Ariana Grande start on a Disney Channel show? No, she was Nickelodeon. Okay, so she was Nickelodeon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so I guess it's an industry that's still happening of live action stuff and Nickelodeon and you know those live action shows did fairly well. To the point where, like, iCarly is, like, this beloved, remembered show, even though I never saw it. <laughs> like, yeah, iCarly um, and Victorious, which is where uh, Ariana Grande – that's the Ariana Grande star. Okay. Her and Victoria Justice and a couple other people that if you if you see them on the show, you'll recognize them from other stuff now. Like, they're they're out there. Hey, they're, <laughs> they're out coming. there. No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a talented group of kids and, like, Drake and Josh, of course. Yeah, Drake you know? and Josh is, like, the one the where – like I remember jokes from Drake and Josh, and I tried. Oh, to... also Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide yeah. and Zoe One Hundred and One. Just a shout out because I did actually watch both of those mm-hmm. for a little bit. I I I think I've seen all of the one. The only one I remember like hating from that era was Unfabulous. Do you remember Unfabulous? I missed that one. That's the one with uh, Emma Roberts, I believe. Oh, everyone's favorite. Yeah, I I remember just even then I was like I don't like this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I ever got what the gimmick was. Like, Drake and Josh, like, had a very obvious gimmick where it's like, they're brothers, but they're step-siblings, and they're polar opposites. <laughs> you know, like, you get the point, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, like <laughs> Unfabulous, it's like, okay, she's unfabulous. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, um, But then that's what scares Cartoon Network into being like, we have to pivot to live action. We do not have a live action block. Like, we have to start doing live-action shows. And they go, and they tried for, like, a year, I think. They had the Cartoon Network Reel, or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that a little bit yeah. before, but yeah. And it was that was also partly a result of the fucking Aqua Teen Hunger Force bomb scare. 
because that got like the, the guy, whoever was running cards and network at the time uh had to resign over that and the new guy who came in was like we're pivoting to live action <laughs> so just to tie it back to that um and then that dies and fucking nickelodeon this is where it's like i think like it's just fascinating where nickelodeon commissioned the pilot for adventure time and then didn't pick it up and then Cartoon Network picks it up, and then Cartoon Network, like, that begins, like, a whole renaissance of animation over at Cartoon Network. That, like, wow. I think we're only just at the end at, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, a Nickelodeon has not made a good, a show, a new show that anyone who isn't a child is talking about since. Yeah. That's crazy. It's just, it's it's so weird. It's weirder that I know this stuff. <laughs> No, I mean it, it's it's around. You know, you you did your research for for this retrospective. If you didn't, well, let's just say you did. So it's less weird. <laughs> but no, no. Well, it's important to talk about this stuff because this is this is what gets us into this weird space with Legend of Korra, where we're just like, oh, you're still watching that? I didn't know it was still on. Yeah, but it was on. Well, it was online. It's just so weird that Legend of Korra went from that's their trump card, right? Like. Oh, Cards Network's going to do their thing, but we got fucking Legend of Korra, the follow-up to the hit series Avatar. And then by the end, it's like, it's exclusively online. (laughs) Mm. Like, how does that happen? I have no I demand answers. (laughs) I would actually like answers to that, yeah. And, like, I yeah, it's, like, I don't... I guess it's it's usually, like, the toy sale thing, right? Like, if it's not selling Mm -hmm. toys... Yeah, that's the that was the big thing with Young Justice, and it was, but that one's funny because I don't I don't want to get into that because I'm watching it right now and that's it's so fucking good. But like <laughs> that was the big thing where they were promoting it like oh or I guess like behind the scenes they were talking about how we finally broke into the demographic where it's not just young boys watching our stuff anymore. It's young girls. We have an we have the girl audience. We finally did it, and they're like yeah, but our toys aren't selling as much, mm-hmm. and it's just like what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All these businesses are run by idiots. Yeah, but you, and you know who? What's a demographic that at the time, at least, definitely didn't get as catered to in the action figure market? <laughs> Young <laughs> women. Yeah, yeah, like you could have been like, oh, maybe we should change our approach. Now nah, show's canceled. Yeah, shouldn't that have been like a like the flag that they're waving? Like, look, this show is for everyone. We got the entire children audience watching us. Yeah, but nope, it was. We didn't we didn't sell enough toys. Mm. That's why you're canceled now. Well, it's a, it's that like self fulfilling prophecy thing where you bring in like marketers and then the marketers just go like ah we can't market this you know, mm-hmm. and I bet you a marketer which I'm willing to bet they someone said this where it's like this is great it's popular for both boys and girls and they're like ah we can't sell toys because boys don't want to think they're buying girls toys right, mm-hmm. you know like I bet you that's what was part of it too. Yeah, fucking bullshit. Give, say what you will about Disney, which is an evil corporation. <laughs> but they were the ones where it was like, because they bought Marvel to be like, we want the boy market, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the whole reason for buying it. And then, like, it came out like, hey, it turns out a lot of women like Marvel, too. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, okay, let's make toys for them as well. <laughs> Bunch of losers. I can't imagine how infuriating it must be to work at these networks. Uh, I don't know. You know? <laughs> they're, um... Well, it's just like, imagine, like, you have a good show, right? 
and but it's it doesn't it's making money but not enough money you know yeah like that's gotta drive you fucking nuts if you have a soul (laughs) (laughs) well you know i think quite frankly that's why it was so shocking to me that the actual creators of last airbender and legend of korra came back to do more Mm -hmm. you know because obviously this is like their baby that they raised but like it must have been just so exhausting. I think there's a reason why we didn't really hear from them for a while mm-hmm. after Legend of Korra, you know? I think they did some Netflix stuff. I, I know they did that that Voltron they, re- they, remake. I think and... they had, like, the executive produced that. I don't think they, like, were creators in it, though. It's, like, weird. We're, like, mm-hmm. hey, it's one of those things where, like, a bunch of people from these things jumped ship to other projects. Um, yeah. Like, that one guy who sucks that worked on the first show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Did the Dragon Prince or whatever. Which I've never seen. Um, I, I've heard it's it, it was like a disappointment. I heard the first... Everyone told me like first season was good and then it falls apart. <laughs> oh. But uh, I don't know. That's not enough for me to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Oh shit, my mic almost fell. Um, yeah. I, it, they must have been given a blank check or something for, uh, for coming back. At least that's what I hope. Yeah, you know, just yeah. like I mean, could... the fact that they're heading their Avatar studios that anything could happen, but it does bode well. Like they're saying the right stuff to keep me interested yeah. for sure. And to be fair, I think they also pivoted to just doing like comic books and stuff like that because there's a lot of mm-hmm. Legend of Korra comics. There's a lot of Avatar, Last Airbender comics. Um, there's the Kyoshi books, which came out recently, um, mm-hmm. which I've been reading and are uh, fun. <laughs> uh, but there's no Kyoshi. In this episode. No, because Korra, because she's the worst Avatar, lost connection to the past Avatars. Korra's even barely in this episode. She just pops in at the end. Yeah, and she's like, eh, I'll try to figure something out. Yeah, but I, I, it's it's like really touching when everyone's like, oh my god, we're so glad to see you. And you can tell like she's too, but she's like, I we can't, like, we don't have time to talk about that right now. Yeah. Because there's like a million people just waiting to like kill you outside. <laughs> Which is a problem that I have to deal with now. There's an army out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's also the bit with uh, Asami reconnecting with Hiroshi, her father, in yeah. prison in Republic City. And uh, that that was a little moving, given yeah. some changes in my life, I gotta be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sorry to laugh. I shouldn't laugh. No, no. It, it's just... <laughs> Stuff changes you in life. That's what I'll say. Well, I think um, uh, I think what you're saying, Diego, is that you're okay with the show endorsing, forgiving, an abusive parent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a takeout in the world. I feel like that's something someone says. <laughs> People have real fucking bad takes. That's uh, what I'll say. Uh, uh, but that actually does lead me to an interesting point where the show doesn't take it easy on that route either. Yeah. And I mean, even just like apart from this episode, she hasn't spoken to him since the first season. She brings all the letters that she hasn't opened. Yeah. Like the show hasn't played its hand too early with any of that stuff. Yeah. I, th- I think it's given like very appropriate weight. And we have had just casual discussions about stuff. We're watching maybe some other series out there <laughs> that we have grievances with. And it's like, I don't know why any of this stuff matters mm-hmm. from like a moment to moment basis or like, an overall season basis. I don't know why I'm watching this show. And this show is like, oh, here you go. Here's just one episode where you're catching up with a bunch of characters. And it it's using character relationships established throughout the series and mm. revitalizing them in a single instance. Yeah. 
I, I get it all. One thing it's I think good I good show making. I really liked about the Osami thing was uh, she goes to her father and she brings those letters and like she says later, like I came to make you feel bad. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> she was like I. The only reason I showed up was to make you feel bad, which uh, is uh, is an emotion I think people can relate to when you have a difficult relationship like that, you know? And mm -hmm. then it's, it's very clear. It's like, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been in that spot where it's like, you're, you're, you've mad at someone for doing something horrible and you try to be horrible back to them. And then you go, Hey, that didn't really make me feel any better about any of this. Like yeah. I thought it would, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so I do like that. She's like, look, I wanted to hurt you. It didn't work. I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'm I need to talk to you for at least my own sake, you know? Mm -hmm. She did it on her terms, not to be like, I forgive you, father. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is the, the piece maybe people didn't pick up on. <laughs> maybe. And, and you know, like, uh, the, the truth is that everything that happens in your life or a character's life, fictional or, or real, like, it's going to impact you in some way, you know? And this scene also reminded me, unfortunately, of one of the final seasons in Game of Thrones, when Sandra is like, that was her name, right? Sa Sandra. So, so what's what was the what was the 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 fucking start girl name? I, I I Sansa. Yeah, I was like, the moment you started throwing other names out, I'm like, oh god, it could be any one of those. <laughs> Sansa, yeah. that's that is not an indictment of the show. That one's an indictment of me. Yeah. But when Sansa is like, everything that happened to me happened to me for a reason, and you look back at the show and it's like. No. no, there's at least three seasons of stuff where they didn't have you do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but it's also like, that that so doesn't feel like what happened. It's like, Yeah, that's them hand-waving away, like, obvious wheel spinning. Mm -hmm. and, and here, it's just an organic, like, difficult, dramatic moment between a father and a daughter reconnecting. Yeah. That's... What I'm saying is the show's good at character. Yeah. And I miss seeing that in live action stuff. Yeah, it's amazing where it's like, I can watch this and be like, like, if this was a live action show, the version I'd want to see is an entire episode just about that, you know? Mm -hmm. Of like trying to reconnect with someone like that because that feels like, you know, a bigger thing to explore. It makes sense to be like the C plot in a children's animated cartoon show. Um, but it's amazing that some live action TV shows can't even hit that mark. <laughs> I like how I like how every time we do this, we're just reminded that like pop culture is a wasteland right now. It it's bad. Yeah. Um, and not to be cynical, because it, it really is just like the American like blockbuster pipeline. Yeah, like, that's really what it comes. It's down franchises. To. It's all that. Like... Yeah, there's plenty of good stuff out there. I I've seen a lot of good stuff. Mm -hmm. Another round just won an Oscar, and it's you know not to put too much stock into Oscars, but like that was when I was really glad that mm -hmm. won because it's a very good movie. <laughs> And they really connected with me. Uh, so there's stuff out there. So when you hear us complaining about franchise bullshit, remember, not all art is franchise-related. Yeah. And thankfully, we're here to talk about one of the good ones. I'm not so saying I can forgive these franchises. <laughs> <laughs> that, it doesn't mean I shouldn't try. I know, that's a terrible lesson. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Franchises and people are a little different, but yeah. I see what you're saying. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. For the, for the sake of this discussion, I will see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> um and now forgive me because is it at the end of this episode where Bolin 
and and uh, Varric try to escape, or is it the next one? No, no, it, it it's actually like in the middle of the episode. Okay, um, that's right. Because okay. what we Just skipped sure. over was Varric and Julie uh, are experimenting on the spirit vines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and shit goes bad almost immediately. Um, Julie almost dies, and Varric saves her, and they ex- they almost have a moment. And Varric <laughs> fucks it up. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I skipped over that. That's like a a great moment in the yeah. episode. Um and then uh he's like, Hey, I'm not gonna work on this anymore. <laughs> Jules Cuvery's like, I'm starting to think that maybe this stuff's dangerous and he's he that's like out of character for him, which like they're even honest about it, which is funny. Um and then Cuvery threatens to murder him <laughs> unless he builds uh the fucking Manhattan project. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that doesn't uh, go over well. Yeah, uh, but then they escape, and then they have a mech battle. Well, then, then Bolin is brought in by Kuvira to be like, Bolin, you're friends with my family. Like, try to help us negotiate this thing. And Bolin doesn't seem to understand politics on any level. No, no, it, he doesn't. It's almost like Kuvira picked an idiot to fuck things up. As an excuse. Well, I mean, it's, it's that, and I and I don't want to cut you off, but I'm gonna. Mm. But there's also like that element where, like, at first I was like, God, Bolin is really fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the character, but that is like really blindsided of him. But he's also been living on this train with them for like how long now, yeah. right? Like, he literally has tunnel vision. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't. <laughs> he's not interacting with the outside world. This is his world now, mm-hmm. and so to get like a dope like him caught up in it, like. Even like a Su Yin at their little reunion, Kuvira's like, listen to Bolin. And she's like, how dare you bring him here? Like, she doesn't say it, but she basically is like reacting like, you know, he can't think for himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I thought was, that was, uh, was kind of sad. I will say, uh, the, the, I think like the, the politics of these characters, like that they believe, it makes a lot more sense when you remember it is a show for teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, because teenage when you're a teenager, it's when you're first trying on a bunch of different political hats. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It's much less uh, more adult discussions of politics. So <laughs> you might accidentally believe some fascist things at one point. <laughs> Whoops! Whoopsie doodle! We did a fascism. <laughs> it's you're, it's a little less excusable uh, when you're an adult person. <laughs> yeah, like Batar Junior. Kind of, <laughs> kind of got. No excuse there. Well, just to say, like, in real life, I'm willing to bet at some point in my life I said people should have to pass an intelligence test to vote, you know? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I probably said that when I was, like, 13, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was just some... And then as I get older, I'm like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you, you go through a lot of that when you're younger. At least kids that are trying to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Kids that are being like, I have opinions! And clearly that's changed, which is why I do a podcast with you and just babble about things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, like the easy flip-flopping where it's like Bolin can go from suddenly being like, hey, you know, light fascism's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> it makes sense that he doesn't see the bigger picture or even understand what fascism is. It's like, ah, look, we're just providing these people with, like, infrastructure and stuff. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and it's like you know we have re-education camps and they're supposed to train workers 
And it's like, yeah, buddy, uh, a little more going on. <laughs> <laughs> and even when he's like confronted with that information, uh, like even earlier before the, the reunion meeting, I think it was, it's Batari who tells him like, you know, it's, there's like hard truths here. And he's saying it like it's a good thing. It's like, this is for the greater good. This is, we send these people to re-education camps so they can learn respect. And he's like, I thought we were sending them there to learn trade skills. <laughs> what? Well, I was even, I was uh, I was on uh, Facebook the other day, which is always a mistake. Um, and someone had shared one. You ever like see like boomer tweets that get shared or like, you know, shit that gets shared? Yeah. And one of them was like, why are we teaching kids algebra too when we should teach them how to like balance a checkbook? You know, like classic shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, someone will share that being like, yeah, that's just common sense. And it's like, you know, like when people say that, what they're really saying is let's not teach kids the math, the arts, the sciences, especially the social sciences, history. Let's just train them to be workers <laughs> and exclusively be workers. Like that's bad, <laughs> and but like someone when someone shares that they aren't saying that most of the time, you know? Yeah. They're like I think algebra two is stupid. Like we should teach kids how to balance a checkbook, and it's like yeah, but that's not really the argument being made here. <laughs> it's like you need the fucking they live glasses. <laughs> I think everyone has that moment when they're like, oh shit, the world is. You'd be shocked how many people don't have that moment. <laughs> You know what? Maybe I wouldn't. I'm at the exact age where I'm like, I'm figuring out which friends are going to have that moment and which ones are never going to have that moment. Well, you know, it's just the way the world works. Yeah, you know, it's just common sense. Yeah. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. (laughs) That's why voter ID laws make sense. Now, how hard is it to have an ID? I'll go back to living at my parents' house. (laughs) Um, but to to jump a little ahead, Varric, Varric and Bolin do get recaptured, and Julie tries to save them, and she's a badass in a mech suit, and I just really like that aspect of her. Yeah, there's a great mech suit fight, which it's like, that's a thing now. Yeah, we could just do that now in this universe. Because they had the robots, they had the robots in season one, right? Like, the Asami mm-hmm. industry robots. And well, that. those were also mech things. Oh, okay. They were piloted. I, yeah. for, for some reason, I would, I guess they're the same basic thing. Um, no, 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 no. The, the Guillermo del Toro had a good point about this when he was doing Pacific Rim. He's like, it's not monsters versus robots; it's monsters versus mechas. Mechas are piloted because they're an extension of the people that are piloting them. Okay. Robots are individuals. Hey, robot! I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> good wisdom from yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Academy Award winner for the movie about a woman who has sex with a fish man. Hell yeah. <laughs> we peaked. We peaked there, and then we dipped with Green Book, and then we peaked again with Parasite, and now we're kind of... We're, we're not peaking, but we're, we're happy with, yeah. with Nomadland. Yeah, other than really weird people. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know. I understand division. Understandable division, not... Anyway, we should move on. I don't have time to get into all that. Um, chapter six. I don't know. I thought Division food. was a pretty terrible game. There's <laughs> a Tom Clancy's The Division reference for you. Don't, you. you don't like Tom Clancy? Don't read into his politics. Oh yeah, hey, I actually love The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> Who doesn't? That's love like the one Red of my Hunt favorite movies. 
But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Tom Clancy's been dead for like twenty years, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he's yeah. Like old dead. Like, <laughs> and they just keep putting things out with his name on it. It's a brand now. Yeah, Jack Ryan became president in those books. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> isn't like isn't like the selling point that he's like a, a normal guy yeah it's definitely kind of like a self-insert thing where it's like tom clancy clearly wasn't you know a guy that could rise in politics mm-hmm. but yeah it's weird where it's like that's why hunt for Red october rules and i never really liked any of the other ones because like by the sequels he's just action hero man you know no no i like clear and present danger because he doesn't like, he's not like a badass in that movie. Yeah, but he's still action, man. Only because it's Harrison Ford. Yeah, but it sucks. Whereas, like. No, a- but then he gets to shout at the president. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always awesome when people shout at the president. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it, well, okay, no, uh, you're right. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I don't know, I like when Harrison Ford does it. All right. Um. Good point. It's a good movie. No, but. Uh, but the first movie, it's like he has one gunfight with one guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. <laughs> and that's great. And then the other movie's like jumping through shit. It's bullshit. You no, know, Patriot Games is where it gets really like, oh, this is just action movie. It's still bullshit. Mm-hmm. I never saw The Sum of All Fears. That was the first one I actually saw, and I remember liking it. That but... was the one, though, where, like, they... It was like, I believe the book, it was... Uh, Middle Eastern terrorists, but then they changed it to like Nazis for the movie. Yeah, um, which in a weird way has aged a lot better. <laughs> yeah, than like literally every other Tom Clancy thing. Yeah, isn't Tom Clancy the one where like he did a commentary for that movie and just talked shit about the movie the whole time? I don't know. There's that some, would be great. There's some story where like he's clearly angry that they made up a lot of the technology in it. Or he's like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. It's movie Tom. It's not real. Hey, he takes that shit seriously. That's why he writes books. Yeah. And it's now maybe a... him and Michael Mann would have gotten along. Yeah, you know, they like he was like doing like news television after nine eleven. What they brought him on as like an expert. <laughs> that explains so much wrong. Yeah, with, like this country. Yeah. Well, the Hunt for Red October like premiered at the White House. For like, I think it was HW at the time. Like, it was like a big deal. Great. Jesus Christ. Great. You know what my favorite what part world. of the hunt for Red October is? No. The stupid Russian Sam Neill who wants to live in Wisconsin. You get it? Because Wisconsin sucks. But he's Russian. He's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, but Sam Neill's awesome. I know, but, like, why? who wrote that? <laughs> Tom Clancy. <laughs> like, I want to live in Wisconsin, and the like, we're supposed to go, ha-ha, you stupid Russian. Like, <laughs> supposed to not like him. <laughs> Chapter he... 6, The Battle of Zhao Listen, I'm not done talking about the stupid oh Russian. God. We didn't talk about how Z- uh, Zuli betrays Varric. Oh, yeah, uh, Zuli betrays Varric. There you go. Well, no, no, that is a big deal because she's been by his side since we've known them. Yeah. And now she's like, I'm fucking fed up with you, dude. You've been treating me I'll like I'll join shit. Kavira. That might be something that I will have to wait to save my thoughts on how they bring that arc in for a landing. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I don't totally remember how they handle it. <laughs> okay, okay. We also totally skipped over that uh, Korra does try to negotiate with Kavira. 
Um, they try to uh, they offer a ceasefire of sorts. Um, this is like Korra's like trying to finally handle things like the Ang way, you know. Mm-hmm. And it might just be the worst time to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. I mean, the the show is so good at like hitting her with just the right kind of conflicts, you yeah. know. And like, even when like the writing isn't quite there, like in in some parts of season one and two, it's like the conflicts themselves are like the correct ones mm. to give this character. What I, what I do, <laughs> but here they're just like full throttle now. What I like about this show, and I think I've talked about, like how. Last Airbender, it's all like there's a big bad that we have to stop, and it's all building to stopping that one big bad, right? Like, that's the whole show. Yeah. And so it's like there's a clear beginning, middle, end, whereas Korra, like, a big point of it is, like, there really is no end. Like, there's no, you don't, uh, you don't suddenly wake up one day and have it all figured out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think that's a good follow-up lesson to Last Airbender. It's like, yep, sometimes there's a very obvious big bad that needs to be stopped, but then, you know, there's always something after. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to save this for the last episode we're going to do, but I, I, I'm i going to piggyback off that because, you know, when you're, like, that age, like, what, what are the ages in The Last Airbender? It's like 12 to yeah. 15 of, of Team Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, at that age, you do kind of get the sense that, like, this is my whole life. And yeah. once, I, once I succeed at this thing... Or do this thing right, like I'll I'll be happy or whatever, right? Like that, mm-hmm. your whole life revolves around very specific stuff, and so you're. I agree, you're right. That Legend of Korra is like, well, no, that's not quite the case. Mm-hmm. That's good that you succeeded here. That's part of growing up. It's part of like just evolution and humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna keep going, and it's not always gonna be easy. And what you tried before might not work anymore. You gotta try new stuff. And maybe even that won't work. It's amazing. You know, it's all a, a learning process. It's amazing uh, how many adults I've met who seem to have not learned that lesson. <laughs> oh no, they're out there. They all and it's they, the majority of them. They all voted Trump. <laughs> and a lot of them are in politics also. Yeah. Worth noting. Well, I think and, that's uh, I tech think, bros. Yeah, tech bros too. I think that's why there's such an emphasis on Kuvira is like this great uniter, quote unquote, and technology in this is because there are people who view themselves as like, all right, once we get the final puzzle piece, everything will be good, you know, mm-hmm. which is like, no, it's not how that works. Like <laughs> it, it, we're, we're in direct opposition of those kinds of lessons. And tech bros really seem to think like, well, no, once we achieve X, Y, and Z, then we'll have a perfect world, you know? Well, once, once we can establish a colony on Mars. Yeah then we'll have achieved the height of human potential. Yeah. Who knows how much Elon Musk actually believes that, though? Uh, I I don't think he actually believes in anything. Yeah, that's the problem. It's yeah. like he's a liar. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, it's, you know, like, there's there's a whole thing with, like, fascists and, like, that, that weird mentality. And also it's very present in um, particularly conservative politics in the 90s where it's like, how do we establish ourselves as the one superpower, you know, like how do we make sure like, and then it's the, and then it's the end and we'll just do this forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And as silly as it seems, because it was such a fucking disaster, but the Iraq war was supposed to be the blueprint for how we were going to run America for the rest of, for forever. You know, 
mm-hmm. where we'd basically privatize war so it would pay for itself. And then we would just take over countries that we needed, you know? Like, the whole thing was like, we got to get one country in the Middle East so we can have control over the Middle East. And that will let us be the superpower going forward. Seemed to have the exact opposite effect, but uh, that was the mentality. And then it's that thing where it's like, well, when you stop doing that, when, like, you know, you the politics change because it turns out war fucking sucks, especially a privatized war, then you get people who are like, well, if we had just stuck to the plan, things would have worked out. And it's like, no, <laughs> there's no plan. Yeah. <laughs> I always call that, I think that's like the white man's disease. <laughs> like we just see like things and we're like, but how do we control it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it's the rest of development joke. But when Tobias is like, well, you know, it's, it's never worked for anyone. There's no proof it's ever worked for anyone or that it ever will. But it might work for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's American exceptionalism. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Um, oh, Su Yin and her two sons attempt to assassinate Kavira. Yeah. It wasn't, it was Julie tied up in the bed, right? Is that what they, is that who, who was in the bed? Uh, I think it was Julie, yeah. Yeah, because it was a trap. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got, they got captured and now they're like, oh, now there's definitely going to be a conflict. Mm-hmm. And Koro's like, fuck, now everyone else is, like, angry, and I'm, like, the calm-headed one. And mm-hmm. it's a fun reversal for her to, like, be in that situation. Yeah. Uh, oh, if, and I also want to shout out If the one to... telling everyone to check their emotions, you know, shit's gotten bad. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, guys, what happened? <laughs> like, That's... <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I want to I shout out my, my boy Milo, because he gets maybe one of the single funniest moments of the season. When um, one of Su Yin's son is trying to teach oh, the yeah, Airbending the kids like art, and then uh, uh, I think it's Iki who he like really praises is like finding her like, expressive individuality, and then Milo paints like this perfect replication of mm-hmm. real like of real life or how he sees himself, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is worthless" <laughs> or whatever. You know what? I'm on that kid's side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who does that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> the thing, like, once you can take a photograph, why just paint life, you know? Mm-hmm. Many of the people have never figured out that very basic lesson about art history. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Almost like they have agendas to be against abstract art. Hmm. Hmm. That does explain the decline of American cinema this last <laughs> generation. Explains a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um but no, I I I laughed so hard at that this time. Uh and I guess this one is is really just dedicated a lot to uh the showdown between Gora and Kuvira. But there's also a little bit of Varric and Bolin who are st- stuck trying to like you know, they're they're going to be sent to uh, one of those concentration camps, right? Well, they say re-education camps. I think to say concentration camps would push it a little too far. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're not going to tackle that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, it's very, very close to that. <laughs> well, there's a little bit more in the next episode about that. Yeah, that definitely. I'll talk about, but. Although, are they, did they ever say they're labor camps, right? Like they're making these people work. Quote unquote labor camps. But I, I think if I recall, and I have it in my notes that there's a little bit 
implied that like oh she's taking like people like other bending abilities yeah putting them there yeah to keep it like primarily earth kingdom mm-hmm. like have it be earth benders that are on top mm-hmm. might be uh they don't take it too far in this show but it's definitely in the DNA of this show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? I feel like that's one thing where we'll probably, I think, I guess we'll just talk about it now because it's not not a whole lot to talk about. But it's one of those things where it's like, if that's going to be the plot, <laughs> you need to go into that one a little deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not saying that. I mean, even the uh, the Fire Lord kind of had that mentality. You know, yeah, of like I'm gonna burn literally everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I know. think that's what, that's the strength of both of these shows. Or it's like we that's not the central conflict of this story, but it is the central conflict of like the 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 Fire Lord, eventually the Phoenix King's like intention with the globe to literally wipe everything out well, except here, for you, Firebenders. What you can really look at it as is that you know Korra, because like Kuvira is definitely like they're, they're very blunt about Kuvira being like a reflection of Korra. And it's that Korra, you know, as the Avatar is supposed to bring balance, and Kuvira is, like, trying to almost enforce balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, I'm just, you know, I'm making the Earth Kingdom for, you know, Earthbenders. I don't see what the problem is. I'm just trying to make the the Earth Kingdom great again. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of that where it's like, yeah, well, there's the four kingdoms, you know, let's keep them there. <laughs> and Republic City kind of ends up resent, representing everything she hates. Mm-hmm. So there, there might be a conflict coming there. And we also discover that because uh, Korra can now enter the Avatar state again, but she's really been bouncing around because she doesn't want this fight to go down. But Su Yin and the the twin sons kind of do like force that a little bit. But I, I also don't want to like put that entirely on them because it's very clear Kuvira is going to make the fight happen yeah. anyways. Kuvira you know? wants the fight to happen. Like, yeah. She's stacking all the cards in her favor. Yeah. Like, she she wants to like show her power like to the world. Like, look at all I've accomplished and look, I can also beat the Avatar and she in also, a one-on-one she, fight. She says something like, the world no longer needs you or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. which is kind of the whole show. Like, that's like every villain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, we reached like the peak of that last at the end of last season when everyone's like, "Thanks, Cora, we don't need you anymore," and that's like the last thing she needs to hear. I know that this that is like a controversial statement, like to say that uh, uh, Avatar or Cora are like technically anime, but there's nothing more anime than a show about trying to kill God, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is kind of what every villain's been trying to do: mm-hmm. either kill or become God. <laughs> Well, that's why the last season of She-Ra is so good. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, a, what a good show. Fantastic show. Everyone should watch it if you mm-hmm. if, you're, mm-hmm. if you have no shame about watching children's television shows. Yeah, I, I've seen the light. Yeah? It's good. What the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Korra then enters the Avatar state. Yeah, and if you want to talk about, like, reflections and stuff like that, he, she literally she, she pulls a Luke Skywalker in the fucking uh, the cave on Dagobah where she sees her face on Kavira's face. Yeah. So. It's like, oh, they're the, they got the same struggles. They got the same <laughs> identity issues, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Kavira could be, is what Korra could always turn into. She's exactly what the Avatar could be, especially mm-hmm. in a more modernized world like this. Where it's like, you know, back in the day before, like, all these mobilized armies and these powerful nations... It was like, you were lucky if the Avatar 
came to your village once during their entire lifetime, you know? Mm-hmm. They probably spent their time between, like, five specific cities. <laughs> and that's it. And, uh, but now it's like she's all over the world. Now it's like the real question of, well, should the Avatar control the world, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Or should anyone control the world? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this... I think this season's so good, and the show starts asking these questions. But this season specifically, it's it's literally titled "Balance," and you know, balance is like a constantly changing thing, because there's different things constantly fighting for like control of that balance. But also, just like the way life evolves, not just people, but like the planet. Yeah, you know, like different things are gonna grow and change, and I, I don't know. It's there's a lot going on in this <laughs> show. It's, we're asking these kind of questions. Um, yeah, the fight's badass, but you know that all these fights are, are fantastic. I, re- I really like this one a lot, and it's just like on a flat open field. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Cora can't handle it because she still is struggling with her own identity crisis uh, with the Avatar state. She, mm-hmm. she hallucinates her dark little like specter again, mm-hmm. and uh, Opal, Janora, Iki, and Milo have to save her, and... Uh, Zaofu is forced to submit to Kuvira and her army, mm-hmm. while Suyin and the rest of her family are uh, arrested for treason. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's heavy shit. This is just the get, middle of the season. We also get uh, the subplot, which is uh, Varric still working on the Spirit Vine shit. Um, Dar Jr. has the line, uh, It is our responsibility as scientists to pursue this as far as we can. <laughs> <laughs> that always ends well for scientists yeah. in movies. And I feel like that's one of those things where, like, if you want to, like, talk about, like, bad takes, there's definitely people out there being like, what are you saying, science is bad? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it's like, no, but you got to fucking be careful because you, you might, you know, you could develop a vaccine or you can make the atom bomb. <laughs> like, <laughs> science leads to both of those things. <laughs> and we have to be smarter about what we do. And I think, unfortunately, when you try and tie science to capitalism, they only see progress as a positive thing mm. until it blows everyone up. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why Black Hat's so fascinating because it's like technology is like, oh, look at how it connects everything. And it's like, oh, no, look <laughs> at how it connects everything. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot going on in that film about maybe the people that hold power with technology and how right now it's not in a good state. <laughs> I think it's I think it makes a lot of sense in a movie that kind of boils down to money doesn't make sense anymore bombed at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people that still consider money uh, as making sense will end up getting stabbed by Chris Hemsworth five times in the chest with a screwdriver. That's a movie that starts with like soybean futures, isn't that's is that's what's the beginning of it, right? It's like uh, the, in the theatrical cut. In the it's theatrical the nuclear cut. meltdown. Well, no, no, fuck the theatrical cut because <laughs> that's bad. But the director's cut, no! which is good. No, look, no, no. That's I will, I will fucking die on the hill. That that's a bad decision to start the movie with that because oh, okay. it's great to start the movie about soybean futures, and then it ends with Chris Hemsworth and the rapist from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo getting into a screwdriver fight. Oh my god, <laughs> that's what that movie is. <laughs> 
Well, see, I think it's even funnier if it starts with the nuclear reactor. No, it's I do not. like the director's cut more, but it's funny with the nuclear reactor because it's like, holy fuck, this is like a Mission Impossible level no, scale film, that, and then it ends like that. No, because that's like it's the moment great. where you're supposed to kick the movie into like the second act, where it's like, oh, all right, this is actually more threatening. What's great? I've said this before, I think, on this podcast, or maybe to just you in private. Um, but what's what's fucking great about Black Hat? is that opening where it's, like, going into the computer and code and shit like that. And it goes on, like, a really long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it starts out, and you're like, ah, this is kind of lame. But then it, like, keeps going, and then you're like, this is actually kind of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching it, and it's, like, shit, like, and it's, like, this music's ramping up, and it's just like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? And then, like, there's, like, one light gets flipped, and you're like, oh, shit. And then they cut to these guys on a cargo boat. And they're like, hey, they're not letting us dock because our insurance changed. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's what that opening scene was. And it's like, oh, this is, that's what this fucking movie's about. That's great. God, I fucking love movies. (laughs) Should we get back to Varric, I guess? Yes, Varric and Bolin. Varric and Bolin, he's like, I need Bolin's help, which is a silly scene, but it happens. (laughs) Um, And Varric makes a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) And he's ready to blow himself up until Bowie Yeah, that's him. great. Because it's like, oh, wow, he, he does have, like, signs of growth as a character. Yeah. But he's, he's like, too far the other direction, dude. A little too <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah. <laughs> well, Varric's definitely a guy who can only work in extremes. <laughs> yeah. I think Varric is what people think Elon Musk is. Yeah. When Elon Musk is really Batar Jr. <laughs> I think even that's giving him too much credit. Yeah, probably. Batar Jr. is at least somewhat successful. <laughs> Yeah. Also, Batard Jr. would have turned down SNL because they were actually at least working on something. Yeah. Something probably bad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sugarcoat that. But, like, Elon Musk is... He doesn't have the the charisma to be a villain on this show. Yeah. I think uh, Seth MacFarlane could play an excellent Elon Musk-style villain. I would believe that, yeah. I think I, I could totally I would cast it. him as something like that. Yeah. If you pitch that to me, I totally would. Mm-hmm. So someone's just got to write a good Elon Musk villain. Have you seen Venom? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like they haven't figured out how to do Elon Musk right yet, though. Because part of the thing is that Elon Musk's really pathetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no one knows how to write a compelling villain that's also pathetic. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Lex oh, yeah. Luthor gets close in BVS. At least, like... That Silicon Valley type. He's definitely got Silicon know? Valley vibe, but I, I wouldn't go Elon Musk. Mm. Elon Musk, I, I wouldn't really consider Elon Musk Silicon Valley, even though I probably should. Mm-hmm. He's much more like Howard Hughes wannabe. <laughs> and Howard Hughes was already a fraud, so Howard Hughes at least produced movies. Bolin and, and Varric managed to escape, but only because Bolin is smart enough and tells Varric, I hate you, because he almost killed all of yeah. them. Logan's right here, so you might hear purring. Hello, Logan. What did Logan think about these episodes? Logan was outside when I watched them. Mm. So the weather. Not a fan. Been, I take the it. Weather's been you hate good. women, Logan. Is that it? No, Logan just likes. He'll sit with me and watch shit. Watch the Searchers okay. the other night. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. See, I can't watch loud stuff with Wednesday. She gets too too anxious. She doesn't like loud noises. None of my cats get anxious, but they will just like stare at the TV. Yeah. No, she likes uh like Fantasia, you know, the the quieter parts of Fantasia. Really? Or like those Zen play like I I play a lot of like the birds chirping and stuff for her. Mm. 
on YouTube. Yeah. Or like those eight hour videos are like, listen to this and relax as you fall asleep. I do that for her during the day. If I'm gone, I have it like a little playlist set up for her. Otto could like, Otto could sleep through like a nuclear attack. Like I can put on the <laughs> loudest goddamn movie and he just stays asleep. Well, see Wednesday is bothered by noises from the TV or the computer, but fireworks don't bother her. Mm. I've never had cats so, that were bothered yeah. by I think that's more a dog thing. It totally is, yeah. Poor dogs. Don't know what that's about. Well, dogs are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I had like three friends this year who both who had experiences where a dog that had been normal its entire life suddenly went ape shit and like ripped with their faces off. Whoa. Like it was like three separate stories, and I'm like, yeah, I, I think I'm never going to be a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that story too many times. Uh, and see, I love dogs. I like but, um, little dogs. No, no, I love them all. No. I love the big greyhounds, too. They fucking freak me out, man. No, I don't know. Seen... Uh, I like I like the little pugs because they're, they're so just, ugly. Like, I would be freaked out by big cats, too. I would. I should say that, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, if they're as big as fucking greyhounds, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like a panther. Yeah, like, I don't like that. And I, don't, I think we should not accept dogs that big. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where do you put them? I don't know. Fucking, like, just put them... Gotta put them in re-education camps. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, Yellowstone. Oh, my God. I don't know if Yellowstone's a safe place for dogs to be running around. I don't know if it's a safe place for anyone. <laughs> Isn't that thing, like, gonna blow up one of these days? Yeah, it's, it's really hard to to do stuff when you're, you're reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What has there yeah. been news? Is there? Am I not paying attention to something? No, no. Just every couple of years, it's like, yeah, it looks like it's gonna go sooner than we expected, and it's like, oh, fucking. Well, from, I, from what I understand, it's like eh, I could go any day. <laughs> like it's just one of those, mm-hmm. and like we won't get warning, <laughs> and it's like, eh, what the fuck are you gonna do? Like you really can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. That's one where you just kind of have to be like, ah, oh, whatever. And now it's like they they believe a lot of they, well, they believe like a lot of the mass extinctions weren't actually asteroids; they were super volcano eruptions. Oh goody! So I hope that makes you feel better. Yeah, I think super volcano is something that humanity is like designed to ride out. Mm. Like we're like that's what the super organism was born for. We'll see if we destroy our own planet first. Mm. Yeah, there's also that. Things are going great. Chapter 7, Reunion. Did we miss anything? Julie and Batard Jr. still decide to uh, continue working on the super weapon because oh, yeah. now Julie is working for Kuvira. Kuvira gives a dictator speech. Uh, Batard Sr. and uh, the brother, they refuse to bow. And one's like, I'm ashamed of you. And he's like, I thought you'd be ashamed, Dad. It's, w- it's so weird. It's like angsty teenagers becoming fascists. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean that does kind of like happen. Not to that's not an attempt to sugarcoat or anything, because yeah. some people are just assholes. Well, but, a lot of you know, that is like a thing that happens. Fascists tend to be emotionally stunted people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they don't tend to actually be teenagers, but they tend to be like very emotionally immature people. Well, I mean, look at how like commonplace it is now for conservatives to be like, "Well, I don't want to get the vaccine because it's going to piss off liberals." And it's like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> like, get the vaccine if you can. Mm. It's for you, idiot. Well, it's amazing how many people, like, never realized they were getting vaccines throughout their life, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. vaccines were just a thing most people did. Now it's, like, a 50-50 political issue. Mm-hmm. 
which is great. Yeah, I mean that that's how you know America's like fucked. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I think my health is uh is going to be the political topic for yeah. the next couple of years. Yeah. And I read yeah, six articles just... that are all on my side that say it causes Alzheimer's. <laughs> so, I will not oh, get it. Jesus. Well, you know, if Joe Rogan is saying not to get the vaccine. Yeah. Joe Rogan know, is should... like the perfect encapsulation of America's failures. <laughs> like he everything about him's a failure. You know? <laughs> He's just a roided up guy who used to host a fucking show about people eating bugs. <laughs> like, Fear Factor. I used to watch that. Yeah, I but did I was too. also in middle school. Yeah, I was a child. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're eating gross bugs. And it's like, yeah, cool. Also, yeah, like that show was on air today. Like you know how every once in a while you see like a really bad tweet where someone's like, "This is the death knell of society." Mm-hmm. Those tweets would be about that show if it was airing today. Yeah, probably. You know, and I wouldn't even disagree with that one in particular. <laughs> I say I think the thing that saved me in a way is that my introduction to Joe Rogan, apart from Fear Factor, was him on a podcast arguing that the moon landing didn't happen. Oh wow! Oh, he's that bad. That was like, but I I think he's one of those guys where he's like, yeah, I don't really believe that anymore. But like the fact that you even could, you know, mm-hmm. like there are things where it's like you should never even have entertained that idea. Yeah. Well, he's. People like him because he doesn't know anything, but he talks like he does. Yeah. But he genuinely doesn't know a thing. He doesn't. Like, a single iota of a thing Well, he in fancies life. himself an intellectual, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, when I was in high school, like, I thought I was a lot smarter than I was. And then you get out of high school, right? And you realize, oh, shit, there's actually a lot of people who are a lot smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn to adjust. <laughs> And you, go like, and you go, oh, I'm not actually, like, the smartest person ever. And I think Joe Rogan is, like, the opposite reaction, which I've seen other people, too, where they just double down and they just fancy themselves intellectuals, but it's really just a worship of ignorance, you know? Yeah. It's Awful. it's anti-intellectualism masquerading as intellectualism. And it's it's so strange. I truly believed people were smarter than that on some level. And, hey, to, to be fair, people are, mm-hmm. but... People also aren't. <laughs> yeah, I did, no. I guess it was just I thought that like Joe Rogan was only gonna would only appeal to at most eight percent of the population, you know. And then it's like no, he actually has like a wide appeal, and there's like a good thirty percent of people seem to like him in the United States anyway. And it's like nah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I guess it, George Carlin was right. I guess. I think he was the one who said, like, think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are stupider than that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I guess you're right, George, unfortunately. And all these guys think they're the next George Carlin. That's the other thing. Where it's like, Joe Rogan definitely thinks he's, like, the heir to George Carlin. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, for one, George Carlin was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've heard a lot of things about Joe Rogan. Even from his fans, you know what I've never heard even from his fans? That he's funny. <laughs> and he's supposed to be a comedian. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. That's the weirdest thing about him. <laughs> I think Bill Burr is what Joe Rogan listeners think Joe Rogan is. Kinda, yeah. Because like, even when he's wrong, he like he tends to be like 
at least listen to his PR people, yeah. you know? Or at least pivot back to being like, I know I'm full of shit. Like, mm-hmm. but I was, I found a video on YouTube that was like all of Bill Burr's appearances on Letterman, right? Mm-hmm. Over the years. And it was interesting watching him go from being a guy who's just like, yeah, my girlfriend's annoying me, right? To being like, my girlfriend's annoying me, but also I am kind of fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting watching that transition. And some people just don't. Mm-hmm. Some people never uh, get smarter. And then people like Joe Rogan never get funny. Uh, actually, you know what? Joe Rogan's not an asshole. He's a jackass. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, okay. I, maybe he is an asshole because all he does is spew shit. So maybe he is an asshole. I don't know. You can be both. No, yeah, I gotta categorize them. Mm. There's very specific things. <laughs> yeah, I think now he's officially an asshole. Yeah, I think asshole might be right. people not yeah. to get vaccinated. Yeah. And the worst part is, like, if he faces any consequences, which he should, is that that'll just reinforce his beliefs. Yeah, he'll be like, "Oh, this is like this is how you prove cancel culture is real." Yeah, that's that'll be like the headline or yeah. some shit fucking morons sorry this has nothing to do with Cora. no um, no it's fine it's it's nice to vent about mm-hmm. that monster yeah <laughs> that that fucking neanderthal i don't even want to give him credit for being a fucking monster because he's just like not interesting enough ne- like, neanderthal like, then well what's fascinating about joe rogan is that he's fucking boring <laughs> you know like he's not even interesting like I do I like I really don't understand the appeal of Joe Rogan. On like even like a, a, a basic level, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's there are a million people that do what he does better and are more interesting. But I don't know. I think he feel the niche that uh Howard Stern used to occupy when Howard Stern decided not to be as crazy as he once was. Mm. Like that's what happened. Or when Opie oh, and no, I'm oh. getting nostalgic for Howard Stern. Or when Opie and Anthony broke up. <laughs> the shock jocks of old. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's not even, like, shocking. He's just fucking stupid. Yeah, it's not fun, you know? Yeah. Like, one thing, like, like, I, like, I'm not here to defend Howard Stern in any way, but it's like, you know, there was, like, a bit of irony to what he was doing. Like, whether or not it worked is, like, a debate. But, like, he was trying to do, like... Like, there was, like, an angle to what he was doing. And, like, Joe Rogan, there's just no angle. It's just, like, I'm the greatest, I'm the smartest, and I'm just gonna have other people come on and tell me how smart I am. (laughs) And that people that disagree with me just prove how smart I am. Because I'm listening to them. You know? That's why I have fucking Idi Amin on the show or some shit. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But chapter seven... (laughs) It's weird that Carlos Mencia is like, like history has redeemed him. <laughs> I don't know if he's been redeemed. I think people just forgot. Well, here's the thing, though. The, the two things about Carlos Mencia was, one, he stole a joke, for, and he put it in a stand-up special, right? And it was like yeah. a very obvious one, but the c- comedian he stole it from was Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> and the other big thing was that Joe Rogan confronted him. And that's where Joe Rogan kind of built his legend, right? Oh, Is okay. That he went, I, I didn't like, know that. He ranted against. That's all I. That was like what I knew Joe Rogan for was that. Oh, he's the guy who called out Carlos Mencia at like some live comedy show. And when Carlos Mencia was there, and 
it's like, oh, now Carlos Mencia compared to Bill Cosby and Joe Rogan looks like a fucking saint. Well, congratulations, Carlos Mencia. I'm saying it's time to bring back Mind of Mencia. No. The show is like, that was racist, but he was Mexican, so it made it all right. <laughs> Isn't the other thing about him is his name's not Carlos, right? No, I didn't know He's that, got... but I don't, I don't actually know that much about him. I don't know that much either. I just remember there was some story where it's like, his name's not Carlos. It's like something that's like, he clearly changed it to like, be like, I'm the Mexican comedian, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, whatever. Like Adam or something. Yeah, I think it is something like that. Like, it's like a more simple <laughs> name, but... Or Ian. Yeah. Or Colin. <laughs> But what are you going to do? Mind of Mencia. That was a big show. Was it real? I didn't. I, I don't know. I just know about it in passing. I just know the title. I, I, I would literally say, like, he had, like, one of the first viral videos, but I can't even say what it was because, like, it is so offensive in retrospect. Oh. Like, it is, like, so bad. And it was just, like, I think his audience must have been children. Because <laughs> oh, only children no. would, like, not pick up on just how bad that was but all right last two chapters let's do this remember he was in the heartbreak kid remake no anyway (laughs) (laughs) we're not we're not unpacking that chapter seven reunion hey it's a fun time it is a fun time it's actually one of the few episodes where it's like actually this is kind of a fun episode (laughs) yeah yeah everything else this season's kind of just like man this is heavy this is it's not like depressing but it does directly deal with like the consequences of like years long depression yeah you know and the rise of fascism mm-hmm. a little bit weird to watch around this time yeah. of, of uh history but it's there um but no it, it's a fun reunion episode between cora mako asami and prince Wu, who was also there you invited himself you invited himself and cora has never met mm-hmm. i will <laughs> but... say he kind of fits into the group dynamic in a weird way he does but, but... He's he is obnoxious, but it like it totally works. Yeah, like I I, I concede my initial question at, at the beginning of this season retrospective. Mm-hmm. It's uh, he's fun. Well, like if he if he fixed himself, if he had like you know a Sokka moment where like he realized that he was being a bit of a douche, like he could totally fit in as like the fifth member of Team Avatar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think yeah, he seems fun. Can he not Earthbend? No, he's just a dude. Dude, none of the, uh, that's weird. None of the monarchs can, uh, bend, can they? Yeah, I think just the Fire Nation and Water Nation ones. Hmm. Maybe that's the reason why the Earth Kingdom keeps getting toppled. Seems to be something up there. Yeah, I don't know. That That is odd, huh? Hmm. That's the one. I don't know. Maybe that's something worth exploring in a future series. Would be interesting. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in in reading about that. Uh oh, and um, after after uh, Prince Wu gets abducted, we also get to catch up with Mako and Bolin's family that are now staying in Asami's mansion, mm-hmm. and I really really like that. That's good. Yeah, a lot. That was a I, good I like catching touch. up with them <laughs> like that. I don't even know if I have much to say about this episode. Um. No, there, there's not a lot. It's just a nice, like, kind of come down. We'll get to Bolin and Varric stuff in a second, which I think is more to offer a little bit. Uh, and that's not even like to disregard the reunion stuff, because there, there, there's some there's some odd tension mm. between Korra and Asami. There's just a little different. Well, at first they hug. I should point out, which 
back in the day before we knew how this was going to end was one of those things that would spark like tons of internet speculation Mm-hmm. It's one of the unfortunate side effects of this were like when shipping people started being like, no, my ship should actually become canon. <laughs> yeah. That's like the really uh, bad side effect, I guess, of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, Hora calls Asami snazzy. <laughs> Just, I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> that one struck a chord with you? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting word. Yeah. Um, there's some There's some blushing. Yeah. Definitely something going on there. I wonder where that's going. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I want to go back to, to Mako's family because Mako and Bolin's grandma uh, is notoriously like in love with the, the Earth Kingdom hierarchy. Uh-huh. And the fact that Prince Wu is going to hide out there is like such a hilarious setup that I almost wish this season was like a last airbender season. Where we just got to see like episodes of these people doing stuff together. You know, because this is probably like the the a softball episode, right? Yeah. Maybe like not not even weakest, just like less great. No, honestly, of the I like so this. Far. It's not weak. It's just like it honestly makes me wish they had more episodes like this spread throughout the series. You know, like yeah, sometimes it feels yeah. like the characters are so up against the wall. It's like I would have enjoyed a few more episodes of them just kind of like having a very small adventure, like where they just kind of hang out. Mm-hmm. But you know what I thought of just now. Mm. Have you ever seen the movie Black Sheep with Chris Farley? No. It's the movie where Chris Farley, he's the Black Sheep brother because his brother is running for governor, of, I think, Washington State. And uh, he's the embarrassment, so like they're, they're always trying to hide him because he always embarrasses himself in front of the press, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like the Roger Clinton thing. Um, there's a scene in it where he's... He's backstage at some rock concert and ends up with uh, these uh, musicians, I think like a rap group or something like that, and they get him to start Mm -hmm. smoking weed. (laughs) Okay, so just full disclosure, everyone, we just had a quick break because of circumstances in life. Nothing terrible, just we had to take a quick five, so... We're just gonna you know, when repeat you... stuff right now. It's because we had to take a break for like twenty four hours, but we're back. You know, not not just saying what happened just makes it very ominous. No, no, there's just a fire. It's fine. Just a fire. No Don't worry hurt. about it. it. Wasn't that bad? Yeah. Smell like barbecue, but that's okay. I I think you should stress you were not on fire. I was not on fire. Yeah, no one was, was injured. In, it was a neighboring home. It, it was a neighboring like lot. Okay, neighboring lot. Yeah, it's um, fine. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that, like, instead of being like, ah, shit, you know, because <laughs> it sounds strange. No, no, it's all good. We're all all fine here. You know, How like, in, you? like, yeah, but, like, you know, like, sometimes in, in school they would try to, like, explain that something had happened between two other students, like mm-hmm. a fight or something, and, like, to sugarcoat it would make it sound, like, worse than it was. <laughs> Have I not told you about the stabbing? No, you have not. Told okay, me about so the you can stabbing. Google this. I've definitely tweeted about it before, but in you high might have school, told me, but I like my brain sometimes. Yeah, fuck it. We're repeating stuff uh, on this episode, anyways. But uh, in high school, our principal got stabbed in the back. Oh, I think you might have did tell me about this. Yeah. yeah, but we didn't know, and the teachers apparently did know, and they had to just keep us calm. And uh, we had, I was in a biology class, uh, and I believe with my co-host. Gene, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and we were like, no one, no one knew anything. But the teacher that we had was like relatively new, 
Um, <laughs> clearly out of their depth in the situation, and I cannot blame them. They've been doing the best they they could, but they <laughs> they were not prepared for this, right? And so mm-hmm. when people started asking questions, they got very agitated, and we were like, "Whoa, what the hell? Like, where did this come from?" Right? And then I start receiving texts on my phone from like uh, friends from other schools, and they're like, "Hey, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm pretty hungry, but like, I'm all right. Yeah, why? What's up?" <laughs> and then I heard like, you know, we heard there was a stabbing, and I was like, "Where?" <laughs> and they had to keep reiterating, like, "No, no, no, it happened at your guys' school. We don't know, but it's on the news right now." And I was like, "Really?" I wow! Looked, looked out the window and like, no, I don't. Doesn't look like there was a stabbing, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was, and the, the principal's fine. Uh, no one liked him. Doesn't mean he should have stabbed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's that's cool then. <laughs> no, um, it doesn't mean he should have gotten stabbed, but nobody liked him. You know, I've got a real brief similar story. All right, let's uh, do it. All right, when I was in school, did you have you might, might have had a different name, but we had something called code C drills. Did you have any of those? We had drills. What is code C? Code C, what they, they basically, they didn't tell us what it was, but really what it is, is an active shooter drill, right? Oh, okay. They're like any, any threat like that. Mm-hmm. And basically what it means is like, what you're supposed to do is you have to lock the classroom door, turn off the lights, and then everyone has to get to like a corner of the room where like if someone looks through those, like, you know, like how classrooms have that weird thin window on them. Yeah. Like if someone looks through, they won't see anyone in the class. Like, I guess that was the best plan they had. Um, but we, we practiced for them and it was like, it was kind of like nothing ever happened. One day we're in the middle of class, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is like, I'm fifth grade. So it's like my first year in the middle school, by the way, first day in middle school, uh, one of my classmates got beat up. <laughs> so oh, that's... it was a weird year. Um, but uh, we're sitting in class and suddenly over the loudspeakers, there's a woman who i don't know I, I didn't even recognize the voice but she's like she's either crying or coughing like we can't tell and it just goes like code c like that like exactly Whoa. like that <laughs> and so everyone's like oh shit and it's like not like they would always warn us we were going to practice so like we're like this is clearly not a practice so we all had to fucking get we're in the corners of the classroom for like an hour right with no no one telling us what's happening <laughs> And you're just sitting there. And then suddenly you come on the speakers like, all right, everything's clear. Um, we're going to let you go home early today, but everything's fine. It's so like, the fuck was that? So here's what comes out later. And I don't even know how much of this is true. I know that the stupidity part of this is true, but I don't know. So apparently a student, um, an older student got caught with either drugs or a weapon in their locker, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So the police are called. They bring this student down to the front office. I don't know how it happens, but somehow this kid takes a swing at someone, right? <laughs> yeah. So Sorry. these, yeah, these, so the very well-trained police officer they brought in <laughs> just starts spraying mace all <laughs> over the front office. <laughs> so no one can breathe. So that's why the woman hits the speaker and sounds like, oh, see, because she has had mace sprayed in her face. Oh, so, wow. So that's what happened. <laughs> and that's one of those moments where you start learning. Maybe these cops don't know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that would definitely color my perception of police officers at a young yeah. age. 
that was also like the era of like that. You remember that viral video of the cop doing the gun safety training in a classroom, and then he shoots himself in the leg. <laughs> no, <what? laughs> like one of the fir- one of the first viral videos. <laughs> I never saw that. It's this cop going like, "I'm the only one here allowed to handle this weapon." And he goes to put it in his holster, and he shoots himself in the leg. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> law enforcement. Speaking of law enforcement that sucks, uh, Mako. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lets, he lets uh, Prince Wu get kidnapped. Yeah. And they're, they're bros, though, now. Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> Wu is, has warmed up to him long, long before this episode, but, like, I think Mako is, like, this is like the the turn where it's like, it's not full on annoyance. It's only mm-hmm. mostly annoyance, you know. Well, here's here's why Mako just sucks. Like he was slightly angry because Cora reveals that she'd been writing letters to Asami, but not Mako, right? Mm-hmm. And so Mako's like, Mako takes it personally because <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> And because of that, he's like, ah, Wu, you can go off by yourself to the bathroom. And of course, that's the one time he gets fucking kidnapped. (laughs) I do love that, though. It's like, because, yeah, he does suck. But also his luck with Prince Wu specifically is like so bad because Wu is already like, yeah, "Yeah, when I become the Earth King, I want you to be my personal bodyguard. And he's going to be shipped off by the president to do that job. (laughs) And then the one time, the one time he's like, whatever, just go do it yourself. You're not you're an adult. It's like it, it it all just goes so bad like i love that that's great i don't really have anything I, else there though i agree i don't know yeah. i didn't know where to take it no no but uh, mm. we we kind of covered that already so let's let's move yeah. over to bolin and Varric. yes who are they're still on the run correct yeah they're on the run bolin's carrying Varric because Varric is the baby <laughs> the baby <laughs> man who can't take care of himself so maybe that's like bolin and mako they have like this paternal instinct, I guess, <laughs> to like take care um, of idiot adults. I guess, but they're also children. <laughs> they are, but like when push comes to shove, they will like take care of people, and I think that's why they're like they become likable, you know. Yeah, I guess. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Although, like, we're about to get a revisit on some of Mako's greatest hits of sucking. Oh, so. oh yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um. Bolin and Varric run into a group of, of escapees, right? Yeah, they, they've escaped, yeah they're pri- they, they've escaped the prison. Um, yeah. like one, one of, of Kovira's prison camps or uh, labor camps. Or re-education camps or whatever they want to call it's it. It's a concentration camp. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm still like a little reluctant to just say that, but, you know. I mean, hey. in this episode, they specifically refer to it for like uh, uh, as four people. Who are not of like the Earth Kingdom lineage? Yeah, because like... they are uh, the the two people are um, they're a firebender and a waterbender, correct? Yeah, I believe so. And and so that that starts coloring camps... Kuvira's campaign very like even worse <laughs> than it already was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, this is this problem that like I keep running into with the show, and like it's not like a major problem, but it's one of those where like I kind of wish these seasons had been lo- like long like uh avatar the last airbender you know Mm -hmm. i wish all of these seasons kind of had a little bit more room to breathe Uh, especially with each season basically setting up a new villain you know Uh um 
I think it all still works very good, but it's like one of these things where it's like, I wish we could have gotten more into like what Kuvira was thinking. I have been rewatching and catching up with the new season of Young Justice that, that aired, and that season has, or that series has time jumps between every season. And I totally get what you're saying because I always want to know like more of the details of the characters between that, because that's a very plot driven show. They finally, I think found a balance between character and plot in the third season that has made me very happy. Um, but that show is also 26 episodes. So you do end up getting like yeah. the little character stuff nestled away in between it all. And I, I would have liked Cora to have had 26 episodes. And we're, we're episodes. complaining about this in, like, we're about to get into that this this season actually had one less episode budgeted into it. Mm. <laughs> but we'll get to that yeah. in a moment. I mean, that that is kind of, like, the show's biggest problem. Like, once you start reading into, like, what the flaws are with the show, you know, it, it's very clear that, like, oh, this stuff was, this was an uphill battle, like, from the start. Yeah. <laughs> from behind the scenes. Yeah. Doesn't mean all the decisions are are out of the the showrunner's hands, you know. They're not maybe not a hundred percent innocent, but oh boy, we're gonna get to one in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I would agree with that, and I I like Kuvira as a villain a lot, and rewatching it just like th- this season's really striking a chord more than it ever has. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and Kuvira's forces also start harvesting the spirit vines. Yeah. From that big tree. <laughs> yeah, from the big tree. It's is. I wonder where that's gonna lead. Oh ho 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 ho! You you know where it's going, but um. Yeah. I guess we could just go to the last episode. We're this here is. To talk I gotta about say today. that all the spirit vine stuff is like what makes me hope that, like, in a weird way, where I want the next uh, season to be like post-apocalypse Avatar. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe. It... I don't. I don't know. Post-apocalyptic. I guess you could. You can kind of swing it in like a. I don't know. It can't be like full Mad Max, though. You know. I think it could. I think you could do like I could. I think you could do Mad Max light, like just where people are living in like the ruins of shit. You know. Mm -hmm. Like someone was doing some spirit vine experiments and it fucking blew up the planet. (laughs) Well, I mean, it would be like an interesting direction to to continue like the idea about like science and and faith and and Mm -hmm. nature. And progress and what that means to the world that that's an interesting direction mm-hmm. but i'm also very much open to whatever these people have in mind at this point you know? yeah. yeah no, no it's just, it's it's just weird where it's like at this point it's one of those things where i don't really know where they go after this mm-hmm. you know yeah where it's like even if they're like well we pushed this timeline ahead is it just gonna feel like slightly more advanced steampunk you know um, especially where with where we're heading towards with the final few episodes. Yeah, I I would say like like let's say you 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 give this to me right, and you're like Diego, mm-hmm. what should we do for the next Avatar? My ideal like society like upgrade <laughs> I guess would be like it's kind of got to look like Gotham City because mm-hmm. of the whole steampunk thing. Gotham is obviously very gothic, but I think sometimes it has a steampunk element that I really like, like Gotham by mm-hmm. Gaslight. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little like, I don't know if you want to go too futuristic, but like, like Akira is obviously the big like anime cyberpunk thing. Yeah. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of directions it could go. I don't. I just don't know if cyberpunk is too much of a leap, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could it could be where you go with it. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, or Fallout. Feels... 
if you want to go the post-apocalyptic way. Like, uh, yeah. You, you mentioned, like, the kitschy, like, 50s, like, jetpack stuff. Yeah, well, that was always, like, the thing where it was, like, either, like, ray gun punk or, like, post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like, because I also, I think, like, a weird kind of 50s sci-fi vibe could totally work for it. Yeah. I'd like to see uh, that before the post-apocalyptic one. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's my pitch now. All right. It's just reworking your pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, who's else? the next... Who's the next Bender lined up? Um, That's Earth, I believe. Earth. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that, that'll influence it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe the post-apocalyptic one is right then. <laughs> no, well, you know what? Maybe in a weird way it would actually be kind of an interesting – I mean it might just be the Korra thing again. But it's like, oh, you're like someone from the Earth Kingdom, which the Earth Kingdom has been like the biggest problem this, in this show, you know? Like <laughs> – We've had a lot of problems with the Earth Kingdom on Korra, and Earth Kingdom was kind of at the height of its power. So, well, if it's like at the bottom, and then it's also like, if you're doing like a like kind of sci-fi thing, it's well, we're now we're leaving the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean for an Earthbender? Oh, yeah, I like that. Just throwing it out there, I but I I don't know, you know, mm. whatever they want to do. Hoping it's not a prequel, though. That's my one hope. I just don't want a prequel. This is like the one series where I'm basically open to any direction <laughs> in a timeline or whatever, you know? Like, I guess but I, I, I don't want to just keep going backwards. That's the thing. I don't want just prequels to stuff. Yeah. And I don't want more stuff from like, look, it's the gang again, you know? I, yeah. I just want to see new stories, be it the, the past, present, or future. Mm-hmm. That's all. I was, I've been reading the Kyoshi books, and they're good. And uh, that's like, to me, it's like, oh, if I want a prequel, I, it would be good if it's a book, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. that's what most prequels kind of feel like. Mm-hmm. It's like book reading. <laughs> I mean, that's why the Star Wars prequels work. Because <laughs> it is very well, book read ish well, Yeah, that's why people will be like, if you don't like the movies, check out the novelization. <laughs> yeah. Which is a real thing people say, and it's not totally wrong. <laughs> But speaking of reading and catching up, I don't know. This is a terrible segue. Chapter 8, Remembrances. It's the Clip Show episode. Yeah, the Clip Show episode. So they took funding away from the show, and they had (laughs) one less episode to work with, and they had to kind of cobble together what they had and uh, kind of catch us up before the last five episodes of the show. So next time we'll be talking about the last five, the Beyond Mm -hmm. the Wilds, Operation Bayfong, Kavira's Gambit, Day of the Colossus and The Last Stand. But what are your thoughts about the clip show? Because I, I think this is generally referred to as like the worst of the series just because um, it has to exist. Yeah, I think it's just like by default, it's the worst. But like I they tried like they tried to make it not just a clip show, you know, mm-hmm. um, they tried to add a bit of a narrative to it and a kind of like self-referential humor to it um it's trying to be the ember island players you know yeah um which but that was a whole new thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um i almost feel like we get a look into what this episode could have been where with i think the they ended this on a great note with which is varick's pitch of his movie version of events yeah. where Bolin is the hero. <laughs> I mean, if they, if they had the money for it, I feel like that's what they would have done, you know, an evolution yeah. of the Ember Island players, but a whole Nuktuk recapping of events, you know, yeah, they just style, done like a, at least. Exactly. 
Um, and I, that like, cause that's really funny. And I like that they ended on that just to be like, this is, we're just taking clips and just making a new narrative out of it. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, I just, I found that very endearing to end it on. Plus they, I like, it was funny to read that, oh, that's actually Henry Rollins doing the prank phone call bit <laughs> that they made up. <laughs> like they didn't get a Henry Rollins sound alike. <laughs> Because, like, they totally could have just got away with it for this episode. But, like, no, just have make a prank phone call. Like, the most intimidating villain on the series so far, arguably. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's joking around <laughs> with Vatu and Unalak. <laughs> and I like how no one likes Unalak, too. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those moments where you wonder if they know how that character was received. But it's also, like, they were so deep in production. Like, I don't know if they even, like they knew that far ahead of time, you know, mm-hmm. but well, I think it says something that they, they, instead of even showing Unalak, they show the fake Unalak from Nuktuk hero of the South <laughs> yeah. where it's like, it's literally a one dimensional villain. Like, <laughs> I think they are kind of being like, yeah, you know, he wasn't exactly the strongest villain. <laughs> um, but you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I like the, the moments with the characters that are like new. It's like, God, you, it just makes you wish that it, it had worked out better, though, you know? Because, like, yeah. I like the moment with Korra and Asami, and they're just having, like, a, a, a nice moment where Korra's doubting herself again. And, and Tenzin uh, kind of, like, bolsters her spirits with Asami, you know? Well, what's what's great about all the these last few episodes is that this is really where you start going, like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, are they going to do it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, which was like kind of the like the most fascinating thing about these last few episodes, unfortunately. Like it was kind of like, wow, is this? Are they actually going to do this? Mm-hmm. Is this really what the show is going to do? And I'm glad that those moments are here, even if uh, the episode itself isn't very strong. I do like the uh, peanut gallery chiming in on Mako's version of events. Oh yeah, that is oh. hilarious. Like that's, that's whatever, very... it's, it's like a fine episode. It's like literally just fine, nothing to be upset about. It's just unfortunate, but that's fucking it also, hysterical. <laughs> it also feels like the writers kind of being like, "Look, we wrote Mako this way on purpose. <laughs> like we we he wasn't we were making him an idiot. Like yeah, <laughs> it feels like they because like there's the one part where one of the characters straight up says." Mako, it seems like your problem is you try to please everyone and end up pleasing no one. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what his character is. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, the fan base maybe needed to be, like, had that pointed out to them a little bit. And, you know, I, I think we've talked about this a lot, but I want to reiterate, like, these characters are really different from what we usually see in, like, teen media. Young adult yeah. media, I guess. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's... That's why even an episode that's, like, just fine, like this, still has, like, its own strength, where it's like, yeah, hey, this, was, this wasn't this was an accident, <laughs> you know? These yeah. are clearly talented people. They didn't just, like, lose their minds and come up with these characters. They had, like, a purpose, although, you know? Although I don't really have a frame of reference for, like, teen melodramas, you know? I watched a lot of CW the last decade. Yeah. So I've seen my fair share of, of people lying because they think it's the right thing to do. And then was, they repeat that for several seasons. And then was yeah. was Gossip Girl a CW? It was. I didn't watch Gossip Girl though. Uh, I have seen a good handful of uh, Gossip Girl because my sister really likes it. Oh, okay, worth it or no? Uh, um, 
I mean, it's not good. No. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be that because I'm not like the target audience for it. So like, I don't want to come in and be like, "This is stupid." But like, it was. It's very uh, strange. But it's also like you know, it's melodrama, and you kind of get where it's coming from. And it's just like, but like, you got like weird. The weird thing, the thing I didn't understand was that one of the main guys, who's like kind of like the bad boy that you're supposed to like, is like really bad. Also, his name is Chuck Bass, which is like the worst name you could give someone. (laughs) Is Chuck Bass the Mako of Gossip Girl? Um, no, because Mako has a heart. Oh, like, okay. I, don't, I think Chuck Bass is supposed to have a heart. Like he's on his, he's in a weird way. He's a little closer to like Kylo Ren in a weird way, of like like oh he's a bad boy, but like maybe I can fix him. I think that's what like the angle they were trying to do with it. I haven't seen enough Gossip Girl to say that's what it is. Okay, okay. Um, and like the what I've seen, you know, it was usually like my sister had it on while I was doing something. Mm-hmm. So I would like just check in every now and then and be like, wait, why the fuck is this happening? Wallace Shawn shows up on uh, on Gossip Girl. <laughs> Whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. And I was like able to like I was talking to my sister like oh, I put on my dinner with Andre once, and you're like no no it's got the guy from Gossip Girl in it. <laughs> <laughs> like oh hey, so uh, my sister seems to really like that show. Although like I I she told me the reveal of who Gossip Girl was and it pissed me off. Oh so. okay. Is it is it Chuck Bass? Spoilers for the fans. It, it it wasn't Chuck Bass. It was a dude. That was the thing. It was a guy. Um, but like to me, the obvious like I don't know the series, but like my like half knowledge was that I thought the twist was going to be there are multiple Gossip Girls, and they don't know who they are, and it's it would kind of maybe say something about gossip, you know. <laughs> and instead, it's like oh no, it was that one guy. I was like oh okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of class struggle on that show. Hmm. It's about the rich New Yorkers versus the poor New Yorkers. They look down on the one girl because her father's poor. They all still look amazing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a CW. They have to. Yeah. I, like, even, yeah. like, I, I love The 100. And even that show where they're like, oh, my God, they're su- surviving the post-apocalyptic wasteland. It's like, yeah, but they look really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my. That's always my biggest hurdle with those shows. It has nothing to do with the subject matter, which I feel like I honestly could get into if I tried. Mm-hmm. It's just that everyone looks like gene models, no. well, and, like, and not not to just make this a CW podcast, but there was like a run of like five years where they had like the best genre stuff on television, and mm-hmm. then like it just deflated because they tried to do every superhero show, and yeah. it's either like that or like standard CW drama now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's very they unfortunate. Supergirl. Uh, they adopted Supergirl. <laughs> Supergirl oh, yeah, started on CBS, and that first season's like actually really solid. Mm-hmm. After that, it's like hit and miss, but it, it's okay. yeah. That's what I would honestly expect from those superhero shows. Yeah. Oh, you know but what? You... They they do a, a politically charged fourth season that mostly is actually really good. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. You know what? I might ask you or for you to find me someone who can just tell me what episodes to watch because <laughs> that feels like a show where like i will just skip around with it you know like i don't need to see every episode of supergirl mm-hmm. um but or any of the dc i never got in the arrow though i just couldn't do arrow yeah uh whoa talk about hit and miss <laughs> but <laughs> the action on that show is why i watched it that action was like i guess you're really saying it doesn't hit the target 
The action's really good on that show. For for you know how you sell budget, it's really good. You know how you sell Green Arrow to a younger audience? Make him Batman. Call him Arrow. The <laughs> <No. laughs> people had problem with the green part. Yeah, yeah. Well, they play a lot with the green imagery. They're like, oh yeah, his family owns the nightclub, Verdant. Hey. <laughs> A lot of green tapestries in their house. Wonder what that's about. You know, it's like, you know, at least those all those CW shows like they did definitely have like kind of a different color palette to each show a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they all end up doing the same thing, which is like super tragic. Where it's like, well, now they have a support team. They're all trying to be Buffy and shit. But like at their best, they they definitely stood apart. Like an episode of The Flash is radically different from even like Legends of Tomorrow, and they deal a lot of time travel both those shows. Like, if your goal isn't to reinvent the wheel, which, like, I understand if that's your goal with those shows, like, copying Buffy, like, seems like the exact logical answer, you know? Like, that's no, the, exactly the problem is, though, that Buffy never worked with the police department, and all these yeah. shows are insistent on that. <laughs> but that's, that's superheroes, man. Yeah. Like, that's something we're going to have to deal with, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, that, that's, a, uh, that's a bridge we're going to have to cross ourselves, probably. Mm-hmm. Because they all work with the military and, you know, <laughs> the yeah. cops. Uh, Spider-Man should be the one who doesn't. But mm-hmm. even that, I mean, you know, say what I, you know, I love Miles Morales, but his father is a cop. Yeah. Which is like a big problem. <laughs> Feels like a film could address that in a future sequel, hopefully yeah, very well. We'll see. They won't. They will not. Uh... Have the comics addressed it? No, but I have no they, faith in the comics industry. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not saying they have to do it well. I'm just saying they have to address it, you know? Because mm-hmm. usually what these fucking stupid studios look for is precedent, you know? Yeah. And that's about it. Speaking of precedent, um, I don't know, kind of a weird episode to end on just because it's like... Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. a, uh, it's it's literally a clip show. Like, that's what it is. With a few new scenes. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, um, and... Really, really funny stuff in between because uh, yeah, I... Mako's grandmother berating him for dating both Asami and Kor at the same time and then saying that's what their grandfather did. Like, that killed me. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's I honestly it's not like as bad as it's made out to be. You no. Know? Yeah. Like it is not a, a like a disastrous train wreck. Yeah. It's, no, you know, no, the no. uh this is they did it better than uh didn't tng have to do this like they ran out of money in like the second season or something like that yeah well they they, every star trek show runs out of money yeah (laughs) yeah but like i think tng season two like had a very specific problem it's like one of the episodes is literally like Riker in a coma or something like that and just him going through his memories and uh yeah i i it does it better than that Mm mm-hmm and like I said, it has a sense of humor about itself. Um, I, you know, for what it is, it is fun. Uh, which is something I will say, I, if, if the biggest complaint I have about Korra probably is that it kind of lacks the fun of Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, that was usually because they were dealing with some pretty heady shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I could have used a little more episodes of like, just fucking Korra and Asami hanging out, you know? Mm-hmm. That would have been nice to see. 
They never did a like Tales of Ba Sing Se episode, did they? No, and I I probably brought this up in retrospective. If I did, I'll I'll cut it out. But uh, a friend of mine actually pitched an idea like what they should have done when the show was airing, right? Like mm-hmm. have like a, a black and white noir inspired episode, but frame it like um Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, right? With Mark oh, yeah. Bolin as like a, a as a private detective with with uh, their little fire ferret. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a joke episode like that would have been great, but you know, that's not what the show they should was. Have had I'm not going to drag him for that. Every season they should have had Varric pitch one movie. <laughs> and it's like his version of events and then you do that you oh know? that would have been fantastic um but yeah you know hey it's for what it is it's one of these things where like what you can all you can talk all day about what it could have been right yeah yeah but what it is is still pretty great oh yeah yeah uh and that's it for this episode then again the yeah. last five episodes will be covered in the final legend of Korra retrospective next time but until then Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can get early access to the last episode. Maybe Whoa. whatever retrospective we do next. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this summer goes. Who knows what we're going to do next? Even we don't know. Even we don't know. We totally know. Yeah. But we don't know. <laughs> yeah, it makes it sound better if we say we don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.